0: Earlier this year, the BMJ published a racism in medicine issue. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, you'll have heard the interviews with David Williams about systemic effects of experiencing racism, and Yvonne Coghill about how the NHS is trying to tackle racism within its ranks. The issue was guest edited by Lord Victor Adebowale and Professor Marla Rao. And at the launch event of the issue, they managed to persuade Simon Stevens, chief executive of the NHS, to put some money into a race observatory. Now, Marla Rao joins me now to talk about what that observatory is and and what it's aiming to do.
1: Uh, This observatory um, launched very recently, 30th of May to be specific, is England's first race and health observatory and I believe that its launch is a truly important milestone. I think the other important thing to mention in relation to all observatories, and indeed this one, is that the observatory has features which distinguish it from both academic institutions as well as government-based institutions or units, which might focus on the same topic. So the observatory will combine some of the qualities of academia, as well as some of the characteristics of government bodies. And so it does have an intelligence and gathering uh, and and evidence-gathering function, but it will do so uh, quickly and rapidly. And depending on uh, the requirements and uh, essentially what's, what's happening um, out there in society. And um, collating and reviewing and synthesizing existing research and evidence will be the main activity. But it will undertake some research and analysis, if that's appropriate, to the topic that's being um, investigated. And it will also commission and call for and support new research if that um, appears appropriate. I think one detail is that it could take inspiration from NICE. If if there's a drug and the manufacturers are trying to push it out, it will quickly and rapidly analyse the drug's effectiveness and efficacy and get on and and, and publish the facts. However, it it will then set that uh, alongside its more careful and detailed consideration of other treatments and drugs and technologies and so on and so forth. It also does that through massive consultation with the public, with academia, with policymakers, with health economists. So I see NICE as a, as a great example of an organization which um, uh, in 20 years has become a world-leading authority on evidence-based approaches to managing you know, health, healthcare conditions. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 that's that's the sort of thing that it will aim to do.
0: I suppose this brings us back to independence, which was something I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Now, Victor, who's obviously involved in uh, the setting up of this as well, has stated very unequivocally that this is going to be independent of the NHS and government. It's going to have its own governance structures, But in making recommendations and and wanting to change the the landscape of the intersection of race and health, you're going to have to work with the NHS, with other organisations. So I just wonder, is there sort of a tension there that that needs to be worked out between that very distant observing and getting kind of down and dirty and, and actually changing what's happening on the ground?
1: We are clear about the aims. And there are going to be three aims of the observatory. The first is to provide a reliable, unified um, source of policy-relevant evidence and information which would explain the how and the why of racial disparities um, in in, in health. And while that evidence is principally uh, targeted at um, um, health policy leaders, it's going to be publicly accessible. Um, so that uh, everyone from government to uh, communities with an interest in the in the issue will be able to access the evidence. Right. Uh, so that's aim number one. But aim number two is to target outcomes rather than be distracted by looking into whether individuals or units or departments had any racist intent. That's often the destruction in the past. But the observatory intends to translate the research into practical guidance. Um, and, and so that new and existing uh, policy programs um, and strategies are renewed or, or designed fresh and delivered to reduce those inequalities. And that's going to be done uh, within short timeframes so that you know it 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 genuinely then helps policy as it is being um um, developed and established and and the third thing that it intends to do is to begin with reviewing the impact of policy practice and programs on the health and well-being of the nhs's own um, workforce Uh, because eliminating the adverse outcomes of racism and uh, discrimination in the NHS's workforce, 20% of which is uh, uh, or from, uh, drawn from ethnic minority backgrounds, is, 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 is not an option. As you can see, you know, the, the credibility um, and, and uh, respect that the observatory will seek to command will depend on, on on doing that um, um, as a, as a starting point. Mm. So you know, it, 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 if, with those aims, um, then it's an it's a it's an interesting question as to how it will maintain its independence, and, and why that independence is 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 important. Uh, you're you're right that that um, um, the planners of the observatory have stated quite unequivocally that the um, observatory must be independent, and, and and that's to ensure that not only is it um, in a position to support policy making within the NHS or in the in the wider environment, recognizing that the wider determinants of health actually impact on the burden of ill health, which then, you know, the NHS uh, is 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 uh, obliged to manage. So, so in that regard, um, you know, it, it needs to be in a position to be able to critically review um, policies that have been uh, uh, put in place in mm-hmm. the past or are about to be put in place. And in order to be able to do that, it does require to be independent. How would it do it if the observatory has a clear purpose? And, um, you know, it needs to demonstrate its impact as a new initiative. It will require funding and it will require many other sorts of support to fulfill its aims and functions. Um, reports of racial discrimination in the NHS are not new. The um, NHS's key responsibility is for our health and well-being. It's also especially ethnically diverse, as I mentioned, with... of the 1.5 million workforce made up of BME people and uh, discrimination and racism being well documented in this journal, even more than in in, in many others. So given all that, it's extremely reasonable that the observatory should work very closely with NHS England and support NHS England uh, in its objective to improve health and population. If that requires... NHS funding, then then I think it's perfectly reasonable to accept it. However, to maintain that distance and to be independent, sufficiently independent in its governance structures, so that it's also able to uh, criticise, to seek corrections, to be able to uh, demand even a change to policy if it is seen to be damaging or to exacerbate disproportionate impacts on health, then, then, then that's, that's how it will maintain it, by making sure that um, it sets its boundaries, its remit, its governance structures, its accountability, and the transparency with which it goes about its business, so that the independence is, is, is guaranteed. But it also, um, in, in time, will uh, secure, I think, for the observatory, the the respect and the credibility that it might not otherwise do if it is seen to be a part of NHS England.
0: You've talked a lot there about taking an overview of research and observing what's going on. Now, uh, while you're a professor of public health and um, maybe I should, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk to you about Data in the conversation setting up uh, the the initial conversation around the observatory, there was talk about the sort of heterogeneity of data around um, race and ethnicity, and the fact that we do collect lots of data, but it tends to be very broad brush. You know, everyone who is South Asian gets lumped into into the same in same sort of category. There, do you think the the observatory? needs to play a role in setting standards about you know how data on ethnicity should or race should be um collected and and delineated and to actually answer those those questions with richness
1: there are tensions uh which it will need to manage to ensure that it doesn't slide towards what an academic department might Mm. be principally concerned with so uh, the observatory will in the main uh, collate and review and synthesize existing and uh, research and evidence, but it will undertake some research and analysis where that's appropriate and there is a gap that is identified in the existing literature, and it will also commission and facilitate uh, new high-quality research when that is shown to be the only way forward in answering a particular um, question that that faces us about um, ethnicity and health, we we need to recognize that much evidence is already available, which we are not acting on at this point in time, and and that that requires us to take rapid action. But the need for better data and, and more research um, cannot be ignored. And uh, one example of this is that the pandemic has compelled policy leaders to become aware for the first time that um, we don't collect um, ethnicity uh, data in our debt certification. Ooh. So death certificates do not include uh, ethnicity details. And that is a barrier to rapid understanding what the uh, uh, mortality related to COVID-19 is uh, by uh, ethnicity without, without um, adding some other layers of linkages and so on to understand the data better. But I think that the um, pandemic has brought us all closer together. Um, and we're all more interested in uh, collaborative problem solving as policy leaders academics, data institutions, and so on. And I think the time is right for us to look at how we collect better data for ethnicity and race and health research in into the future.
0: I mean, that just goes to show that um, how important it is to have a race observatory on on health. And as you said, it's the first of its kind. So there is a lot that needs to be tackled. And a lot of these factors are, are very interconnected. There's a lack of data. There is a lack of action, there are, which must make it hard for whoever is is leading the, the observatory to know where to begin. And I suppose the temptation might be to take a, an academic look and step back and try and assess, you know, the whole landscape and, and decide what area has the most uh, chance of, of changing or something. But um, that, that goes with the tension of actually wanting to do stuff and, and tackle things. So I, I suppose my question for you really is, uh, you know, where do you start?
1: I, I think that the planners of the observatory are concerned that the observatory doesn't become the, the sort of organisation that that takes on everything, every aspiration that everyone might have for this organization. Then there's a risk that uh, it becomes too academic in in, in some ways. Uh, There's also a risk it could become a campaigning organization, which Mm. it it certainly isn't. And so in setting those boundaries and uh, establishing its remit, and importantly, um, deciding and agreeing and clarifying what it will not do uh, is, is, is absolutely key at, at the outset. It also needs to be a very good horizon scanner. Um, because take artificial intelligence, for instance. You know, we're beginning to recognize now that it doesn't entirely um suit uh and 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 um Appropriately serve ethnic minority communities for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Now, now, it needs to anticipate that with new technology um, or with new programs and policies, um, that there may be some some uh, difficulties, um, and 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 ensure that it investigates them um, uh, with with vision and with uh, foresight so that that it needs to do and take the issue of um, risk stratification for black and minority ethnic um workforces in the NHS when the um pandemic um uh, began and and when it became when it started to rapidly become evident that black and minority ethnic um um uh, healthcare staff were uh disproportionately being affected in terms of severity of illness and rates of mortality from COVID-19 infection. Uh, uh, We ended up initially not having a standardized um, risk um, assessment and risk stratification methodology. Um, And uh, as a consequence, Trusts, NHS trusts, were unclear as to how to best guide and manage uh, their staff, all staff, because white staff included may be at risk um, uh, depending on on their their personal profile and um, uh, underlying health conditions and so on, uh, and and uh, very well intentioned groups of uh, academics and clinicians began to develop tools um, as separate, uh, you know, networks of of, uh, people with with, with a concern and interest in this topic. So now we have a plethora of tools and the uh, landscape remains um, a a, a bit uh, unclear for for those that have to implement these, these policies on the ground. So, this is a, a, an area where, um, if the observatory had been in place, um, I feel confident that it would have anticipated the need for um, such a tool to be um, designed quickly um, and as, as, um, as much as possible with the uh, evidence, the best evidence to date, and to continue perhaps to refine it as that evidence grew of the kinds of uh, 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 risk factors that influenced uh, severity of illness, um, and our understanding of that grew. Um, So I think the observatory uh, would have helped in that circumstance. Uh, And and the observatory would have taken that on as an urgent priority because um, Uh, In unprecedented circumstances such as this, you know, I would imagine that the observatory will in the future uh, um, uh, be be flexible enough that it will set aside some of the more routine work to take on um, this sort of urgent priority, uh, which at the end of the day has the um, potential to save lives it is it is interesting, uh, and I've thought, well, w- w- why is it that so many well intentioned people haven't managed to solve any of these issues? and I think I think it's because we're stuck at that stage where we are constantly looking at intents and behaviors, and can we get behaviors right? and And I think the the fact is now, let's just get on and 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 do. Uh, you know, practical things which get us right. Uh, Differential attainment, how many decades have we known that uh, black junior doctors, BME junior doctors, BME medical students Mm. do not perform as well as uh, white medical students or white junior doctors? And this differential attainment um, uh, goes all the way from... uh, Uh, the start of a doctor's career as a medical student up to the time that they retire. And and, uh, let's look at whether uh, um, these students need a little bit more support in order to ensure that their um, uh, uh, ability to pass exams or uh, be rated um, well in assessments or to be able to secure the right um, specialist training posts that they aspire to do, that they um, uh, 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 secure, um, uh, you know, satisfactory appraisals at the same rate, that they are revalidated at the same rate, that they continue to be recognized and rewarded and uh, valued uh, in the same way that whites are so that their careers are as fulfilling as those of whites. Let's get on and look at practical solutions cool. and, and just uh, put aside this issue of, is it all because the, the white supervisors are all racist or not? And because you're never going to prove one, that one way or the other.
0: So this is sounds like a, a fascinating job and um, the organisation has just been set up. Uh, are you recruiting you know what stage are, are you at and if people are interested in in being involved where should they go to
1: the two organizations that have got together to launch the observatory are the RNHS nhs england and the nhs confederation so they are the ones who are setting up the observatory and i would suggest that anyone interested in uh, Knowing more about the observatory, how it's to be shaped, how how its structures are about to be determined and established um, and filled, um, ought perhaps to contact the uh, NHS Confederation, which will be hosting uh, the observatory to find out more details.
0: Great. Well, I will put links in to the podcast text. But Marla, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us today.
1: Thank
0: you, Duncan. You've been listening to Marla Rao, Professor of Public Health at Imperial College London and one of the guest editors of the BMJ's Racism in Medicine Issue. Now, that Racism in Medicine Issue, um, which frames a lot of the discussion that Marla and I just had, is available for free. I will put links to that in the podcast text. There you can also find links back to the interview with David Williams about the systemic effects on the body of experiencing racism and Yvonne Coghill talking about tackling racism within the NHS. That's it for this episode, but we'll be back with more COVID coverage in talk evidence, more well-being. In Our Wellbeing podcast and the BMJ's new podcast for primary care, Deep Breath In. Those are all available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts from. There you will also find the full back catalogue of this podcast, all available for free. So check that out.